Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. One of the questions that I frequently get is how people can actually apply what they've learned. In this podcast and from all other things we learn, I know this is a particularly pernicious problem for ADHD because often we see things that we think would make a big difference in our lives, and yet we can't seem to make ourselves apply these ideas. Today, we're going to explore on how we can work on getting a better understanding of what we're learning, why we might want to start limiting what we're consuming, and how to solidify those learnings in our lives. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash learn to apply. All right, keep on listening to find out what you need to do to actually learn something from this podcast. The problem of applying what you've learned isn't a uniquely ADHD problem. There's that joke that if self-help books actually worked, everyone would be rich, happy, and in the best shape of their lives. And this applies to all of our learning, from books to podcasts to videos to lectures to even conversations we're having with friends. Information goes in one ear and then, well, it doesn't really go out the other, but still nothing happens. We do want these changes, but, well, we still find ourselves doing the same old, same old. So our real question here is where is the disconnect from learning to doing? What are the stumbling blocks that are keeping us in place? Somewhat ironically, our first stumbling block is that we're just trying to go too fast. We're not spending enough time with an idea before we're moving on to the next one. A big part of our culture now is the go-go-go of always doing something new, and this is especially true with ADHD. I mean, why aren't we applying things? Well, because we didn't take the time to do it. But of course, it's also more complicated than that as well, because we're also not taking the time to process what we've learned. And this part is hard. It's not always fun to slow down and apply the process. We want to see what's coming around the corner. We just want to be experiencing the things that the books promised. But our problem becomes that we don't remember what we're supposed to be doing. We don't remember there were specific actions we were supposed to take in chapter one, and then we reach the end of the book and, hooray, it's time to start a new book, and wait, what was in that last one? Our solution here is that we need to slow down and take notes of the changes that we want to make happen. Going through school, I picked up that the best strategy is to just highlight my books as I'm reading, because I guess highlighting means I'm paying more attention? But here's the thing, highlighting's not our best strategy, at least not by itself. In fact, studies have found that studying where you are just highlighting can actually reduce your recollection of the text. Part of the problem with highlighting is that we often don't know what the important bits are when we first read through something. And I'm sure we've all seen people who basically highlight an entire page of text because, well, it all looked important. To be fair, I still use a highlighter as I read things because it can help me identify particularly interesting things, but I also know that I'm not going to be just highlighting. And this applies to my online reading as well. I use a couple of programs in conjunction for this, the first of which is a reader crap called Instapaper. In Instapaper, I can highlight particular bits of articles I'm reading. And this is great on its own, but I can also use this to create my own notes while I'm reading to explain my thoughts of why I highlighted something. 
I then use another program called Readwise, which I use to aggregate all my highlighting because it can import my highlights from places like Instapaper and then also my Kindle and even a new podcaster app I've been trying out called Air that lets me create audio snippets from podcasts. So basically, it's like highlights from what I was listening to. And for those of you that were wondering, that podcast player's name was Air, and that's A-I-R-R. And sorry, only up for iOS right now, I believe. But as I was saying earlier, highlighting on its own isn't going to do much for us. Yeah, with ReadWise, it's easy for me to go through and reread my highlights, but if we really want to solidify what we're learning, we've got to take some actual notes. When we're writing our own notes about something we've learned, it means that we're writing these things in our own words. This is a critical step, because when we're able to write something in our own words, it means that we understand it, or at least are starting to. Now, this can be a bit of an issue when we're first starting out on a subject, because maybe we don't understand the concept. And that's okay. Just go with what you've got now. Plus, it lets you see where you've still got those questions. You'll start writing and go, wait, does that really mean this? And how does this part work? That's fantastic. Asking questions is an essential part of the learning process. If we've just read something new and don't have questions, it usually means we didn't really understand what I read. Of course, not always, but it's a good indicator that we need to delve in more. Now, this is all well and good, but it doesn't matter if we're trying to read, listen, watch everything. We want to be discerning infovores. As I've discussed in other episodes, there is simply too much content out there for us to consume at all. So part of this is just the acceptance that we're not going to get to everything. But another part is about being choosy about what we're consuming. And for those of you that missed it earlier, infovores are people who have a voracious appetite for information. I feel like most of my podcast audience is going to fall into that category. So the question is, how should we be discerning? What should we choose? This isn't an easy question, because there are lots of angles that we could take here, because there is no right answer that is going to fit everyone. While researching this, I saw an idea that we should treat information we're consuming like food. That if we're just letting ourselves consume anything we see, that's the equivalent of eating junk food. And I think there is some merit to this idea, but I also know that I wouldn't have ever come across so many different ideas if I didn't let myself wander off my initial track. Part of it is that I don't always know what I want or need but I think we can still create some metrics to help us identify the direction we want to be going. And this is simply about reducing our exposure to those lowest hanging fruits and creating a more curated list of topics that we want to explore. For me, this is about limiting the number of subreddits I'm subscribed to on Reddit. It's about checking the news less often, and it's about unsubscribing from those newsletters that I'm not really interested in. But it's also about latching onto key ideas when I find them and going deep. On this podcast, I dive into a ton of different ideas, but I never want this podcast to be your last stop in exploring those ideas because generally I'm only giving an overview. And so when you find an idea that really resonates with you, I want you to explore it more. This will mean listening to more podcasts and reading blog posts and books so you can create those detailed notes I was talking about earlier. In nearly every episode, I look to distill ideas down to their more component parts and then combine them in various different ways. But this also means every one of those ideas could be an episode in and of itself. I mean, in the first section of this episode, I talked about all that note-taking, and that could absolutely be its own episode. But for now, it's just part of this one. And again, we've only got so much time, so we have to be deliberate about what we're going deep on. 
My ADHD makes me interested in so many things, so there are dozens of topics I currently have marked to check out, but there is no way that I can devote enough time to all of them. When we're trying to go deep on a topic, we want to try and limit ourselves to just one topic at a time. Sure, we can go a bit wider here and look at ancillary topics as well, because that's also another way of gaining a better understanding of a topic you're looking at. For example, just take this episode. We're looking at ways to apply what we've learned in all sorts of different mediums. But I've already talked about a number of topics here, and while we could choose to go deep on just one of those topics, we're probably also going to want to look how to connect all of the other areas of interest as well so that we have a more complete picture. We can't act on all the ideas we hear. I can't even act on all the ideas I present in this podcast. Take the automation episodes I did a few months back. Part of the idea for me was to create some more automations in my own life. And I did, but I also presented a ton of different ways that you could create automations in your life. Way too many to apply at one time. That's okay. We don't need to change everything about our lives all at once. That absolutely wouldn't be sustainable. Instead, again, we want to focus on one change at a time. Now, some of these things are going to be simple, things that are really easy to implement. For example, while listening to one of the ADHD Rewired live Q&As, well before I joined them, I remember hearing about how someone was having trouble with their kids' stuff just getting strewn everywhere when their kids came in the house. One of the suggestions was to create a landing pad for the kids to put their stuff in as they came in, and specifically to have an actual place for their stuff to go. Like the shoes, for example. While the shoes were supposed to go in the closet, they ended up everywhere and eventually started migrating out of the closet into the hallway. Now, this was a problem I had at home. The kids just threw their stuff in the closet and it was a mess. The solution ended up being just getting a shoe bin for the kids' shoes. It served as both a specific place for the shoes to go and a way to keep them corralled. Just getting a bin was a simple solution and very actionable. Nonetheless, that was one change I took at the time. It only took a trip to my garage to find an unused bin to make it happen. After that, I was ready to make the next thing happen, but only after I had closed the loop of the shoe bin. Bigger changes are going to take more time. If we're trying to start a new habit, you're not going to make that happen overnight, or even in a couple of weeks. That's going to take sustained effort. If you're spreading yourself thin by trying lots of new things, you're less likely to cement those new habits. And I know, we've got ADHD, we're impulsive, we're still going to want to try all the things at once. As I was saying with the automation episodes, there were a ton of things that I wanted to try and implement. Well, there are things I bought back in early December that I still haven't tried out yet, and are still sitting in their boxes. The point is, it's really easy to get excited about something without giving ourselves the time to make the changes happen. And that's going back to that first point. We need to give ourselves the time to make a change happen. We need to slow down on making everything happen at once and focus on making fewer but more sustainable changes. It's okay that we don't have everything together all at once. It's okay for us to hear about an idea that would be good for us, but then not implement it. We can't do everything, and we're only going to set ourselves up for failure if we try. It's important that we remember that change takes time and that we're not going to do it all at once. But it's also really hard because we get excited about things. I know I've latched onto the new shiny idea more times than I can count. And usually when I do, those other ideas I've been working on get left behind. But what's usually happening is that I never gave those first ideas the proper amount of attention. They were things that I was going to do, but never got around to. 
and I think this is the crux of this issue for us. We're moving on to the next thing before we get established on our current thing. And I'm going to be hesitant about using current here, because if we're not actually dedicating time to something, it's never going to get off the ground anyway. For example, I started reading this book called Storyworthy. It's about how to craft more compelling narratives from the stories in our lives. I thought it would apply some nice synergy to this podcast, but I never really got going with the book. It had some exercises that I gave half-hearted efforts at, but I didn't stick with them, and then I just kind of petered out on the book, relegating it to my ever-growing pile of books that I've started but have no plans on finishing. And let me be clear here, it's absolutely fine to not finish a book. Sometimes they don't turn out to be what we were looking for. But in this case, I still think this would be a good book for me to go through. But I can't pick it back up right now because I'm actually working my way through another book. That one's on taking better notes. I know, I do pick the most exciting reads. Except I'm a huge nerd and I did legitimately get excited while reading my note-taking book. Anyways, the point here is that grabbing the next thing before we finish the last thing creates this cycle where we're not making any progress and we feel bad about what we didn't finish. Part of this is we're just not closing those loops. And as I said, it's okay to stop reading a book. We just want to be doing that deliberately and choose to do it rather than just us picking up something new without thinking about why we're doing it. We are discussed how our first step here is to try and work on just one thing at a time. But our next step is creating some accountability to finish what we've started. Think about the things in your life that you've completed, those things that you saw all the way to the end. We want to take the formula from how we finish those things and apply them to what we're trying to work on now. For me, often what led me to completing something and applying it to my life was having some sort of accountability system. Take the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Groups. This was a huge undertaking for me. The course is pretty intense, but I had my small accountability group with me, and so I did all the exercises, and I made it to all the sessions. And because I did the work... I got to see the results. And I can see this in a lot of other places in my life. If I'm reading a book with someone, or I'm taking a class with someone else, I'm way more likely to get to the end. For one, it's nice to have someone to discuss the material with, and for another, I feel like I'm letting down that other person if I don't do my part. Compare that with the completion rate for all my various online courses that I have signed up for that have no accountability, and I'm way farther ahead with the things that I had at least a small amount of accountability for. And I want to make it clear, accountability isn't really about the other person. It's about holding yourself to your word. It's about taking ownership of your actions. When we have accountability in our life, it helps give us the realization that we always have the choice in what we do, and that there are no real have-tos. Although, to be sure, there can always still be consequences. And while it seems like we should be able to create our own accountability without having a team or partner, it comes so much more naturally when we're working with someone else. And again, that person isn't someone giving us consequences. They're just there to be our sounding board. When I tell my accountability team that I didn't do something, there's no berating of me. Instead, we're going to just look at the why behind what I didn't do. Was it because there was a problem with my plan? Or maybe I just had a case of the I don't want us. And then they can help me work through ways I can approach my problems differently. And if you want some more on accountability, go check out episode 9, Compassionate Ass-Kicking for the Win. And really, that's what change is all about. Giving it the attention it deserves, creating a plan to follow through on those changes, and then just doing the damn thing. It sounds simple, but I know it's hard. And that's okay. Because as Eric Tibbers always says, we can do hard things. 
thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, when creating notes from books, podcasts, or videos, create summaries and write them down in your own words to solidify your learnings. Two, be discerning about the media that you're taking in so that you don't overwhelm yourself with too many topics. We can only work on a few ideas at any given time, so you've got to be choosy about what you're going to work on. Three, create a plan to follow through with what you're learning and use an accountability system to help you stay on track with your plan. You can find show notes for this episode at hackingyouradhd.com slash learn to apply. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. For those of you late-diagnosed women, moms, and professionals, you can also check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maven. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. Pre means before, and post means after. But using both prefixes together, well, that would just be preposterous. Preposterous.